sorry, my friend. He's a bad cop. I'm a good cop. Okay. You can trust me. I won't be on the show. I'm gonna be on the show. I'm gonna be the star of the show. You started off as the bad cop, but now you're the good one. Hope this movie doesn't suck ass. It will. <laughs> now you're the good cop. Oh my god. The moral is, you're a total bitch. How are you holding up? Because I'm a potato. It certainly does suck. Isn't there supposed to be a good cop? Hope you boys brought popcorn. Because I'm about to put on a show. Welcome back to another episode of Good Pop, Bad Pop with MNT, like a YouTube unboxing video, but with elder millennial opinions. M, how are you? I am great. How are you? You, you, you sound very forced. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Psych up. It's our first review mashup of the year. Is it? Yeah, we did our 2018 recap and our Australia-themed episode. That's true. Um, actually had some user feedback on that. Several people told me to do my research properly and stop interrupting M. Yeah. And I apologize. I'm not going to change, but I admit that I do it. Most of those letters were from me. Ah. <laughs> oh, you're not making burner accounts, are you? Just <laughs> leave me negative reviews. No. <laughs> well. No, it wasn't me. Isn't but... this a how do you do? <laughs> <laughs> if you do ever have any feedback, please do uh, get in touch. Good pop on yeah, score, real people on only, please. <laughs> Outrageous. Um, today we have a triple threat. Booby Pie <laughs> is a real person. <laughs> I saw them on Reddit this one time. Oh, I'm gonna make a burner account, like you know, <laughs> large sixty nine, large peen tea. <laughs> anyway, what uh, have we got coming up today? <laughs> let's just do a whole episode of burner accounts. Um, <laughs> It's our 20th episode. It is. Happy 20th episode. They grow up so fast. Yeah, we we're going to do... Um, I think we talked about cake at our 10th episode, but we dropped the ball and just made 10 cakeless episodes. Yeah, well, we only hit double digits once. We can make a cake for 100. You think we're going to get to 100 episodes? Yeah, two more years. Makes sense. Oof, ambitious. Yeah, well... We'll have to find some guests before then. Hopefully. If you want to... Jack of us by now. Yeah, if you want to come on the pop and talk shop hit us up we love if you've people. got something interesting to say because you know nah i can work with it <laughs> <laughs> you'll find a way so today we have a triple hit yes. um we have a video game a tv show and a movie doco kind of thing we're going to review unraveled 2 on the playstation 4 we're also i'm going to review the Firefest greatest party that never happened doco Ooh. And the new Netflix show, Russian Doll. Oh, yeah. You, you, I think you watched that one too. So. I did, yeah. Yeah. I forgot we were talking about that today. Cool. Good stuff. Yeah. It's now, now who's not doing their research? Oh, well, I've got other notes. All right. On to notes. What have you been up to? What have I been up to? Um, so at the moment, I'm between jibs and my studies finished. So I'm just kind of doing a whole lot of sitting around. So I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to binge a big show or, you know, big-ish show. So I've been doing that until about 3 a.m. every day the last week or so. Not going to say which show it is yet. I think um, I tossed up the idea of doing like a halfway through review, um, but that I watched too many episodes. So I'm on the, the downward slope towards the finish. I will say it's a show with six seasons. Um, and a movie? Or, I don't think so. No. So it's not Entourage. <laughs> Oh, did that get six seasons in a movie? I got How does Entourage movie. get six seasons in a movie and Community doesn't? 
Uh, well, we can still wait and hope. Chevy Chase doesn't cark it before then. And I don't think he's on best terms with everyone. Plus well, Dan's a bit busy with um, Rick and Morty. Mm. And God, you couldn't get Donald Glover back on those projects. He's a very busy man. He's wrapping up some of his projects now. So. That's what he says. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, hmm. I digress. Uh, so that's what I've been doing. I've been watching this uh, this show, which has been an emotional roller coaster from A to B. I've gone all over the shop, um, and you can expect a full review of that in our next episode. Yeah, we're toying with a new format. So our last segment of a podcast will be like a spoiler cast, where we're going to go into the nuts and bolts of older shows. Not necessarily old shows, just, you know, not current stuff, and really dig them apart. Mm. Um, not for every episode. Not but, for everything, um, but, but just... But yeah. when they arise. Yeah. So th- stay tuned for that. Mm. What else? That's literally all I've been That's doing. That's all you've been doing? Yeah, I've just been living and breathing this program. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as for myself, mm-hmm. I've got a few odds and ends. I've done a bit of traveling, so I have a little mini tease flight movies. Oh, yay. Yeah. I love plane reviews by T that, are pl- that aren't plane but are on a plane. Oh, you may be honest saying T's plane, plane reviews. Like, it's good, three and a half stars. <laughs> it's pretty good, I guess. It's all right. It's all right. Right. Great. <laughs> um, first, I season two of Star Trek Discovery has started. Oh, yes. So three episodes into that. Now, I was... I found a... that show very boring. Mm. I just couldn't get into it. I wanted to so badly for so many reasons, but it just... So I was moderately into Star Trek Discovery. Mm. And everyone's been talking about this sort of the two flavors of star trek at the moment so there's star trek discovery which Mm -hmm. is on netflix and trying to be more like the old style star trek next Mm -hmm. gen deep space voyager and all that talky and techy um Mm -hmm. but with all the rebooted movies which are a bit more action comedy kind of things Mm, there's um seth MacFarlane's one the orville yes and that's kind of a more funnier also talky and techy um but Less serious. Yeah. Then again, they do cover some pretty serious issues. I didn't even watch more of that, but currently I'm into Discovery. Yes. Now, uh, minor spoilers for season one from last year. They, It's in the pre-Star Trek era, so it's pre-pre-prequel. Mm. And the main character, Burnham, was um, she was an adoptive brother to Spock. Mm-hmm. And they've sort of been toying with these ideas, and they sort of ran into the Enterprise... You know, the OG Enterprise mm-hmm, at the mm-hmm. end of season one. So everyone's very interested in what they're going to do with that. And I will do a proper review later on, but they've brought a new character on board who may sound familiar is Captain Pike. Yeah. Now, if you know anything about Star Trek, you probably should know who Captain Pike is. He was the captain of the Enterprise pre-Kirk. Mm-hmm. And they've brought him in to Discovery to um, just involved i guess and it's been a master strokes so far quite likable well cast and he's crushing it um early days whether the season will be good but um yeah if you're into star trek you know if you're going to be into it or not i'll give a proper review once we get through 10 episodes have there been any tribbles yet though because not in this season well that's disappointing there's been a lot of um klingon politics which is always funny because like there's a humans like I have human problems and human feelings and then it'll cut to another place and be like oh and you gotta like read all the <laughs> subtitles and I don't know Klingon's delightful I can see why nerds learnt it back in the day it's very 
punchy language. I mean, back in the day, people have like weddings conducted in Klingon. Maybe <laughs> not say anything racist in Klingon. What's your language, T? <laughs> um, other than that, what else did I do? So I have a mini movie review. Oh. On the plane, I watched the movie Tag. Have you heard of this movie, M? No, don't ask me questions while I'm having a drink. Why are you drinking on air? Because I see that you're rambling, so I'm like, yeah, cool, I'm going to have a sip of my beverage. And you're all like, tell me about this thing, and I have to sit here and be like, well. I need to hit you with some, like, something dramatic so you can spit take. Did you know? Right, so the premise of the movie Tag. Back it, to Tag. Yeah, back to Tag. It's based on a semi-true story of a bunch of mates who've been playing Tag ever since childhood. May, the month of May, every year, the game mm-hmm. of Tag starts. And the last person who's tagged... At the end of May, yeah. is the loser, the ultimate loser, the sacco, the whatever, mm-hmm. and antics follow. Um, Can you tell me who is in this movie? Yeah, I'm just giving you the setup. Oh, okay. Normally you start with who's meant to be in it and who's made it. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's based on. So this oh, movie, right, okay. starring Mad Men, um, Hawkeye, Nick from New Girl. I realize I've not written the actors' names. I've just idiot. written where I know them from. <laughs> oh, I can remember them. Mad Men. John Hamm, uh-huh. Hawkeye. Uh-huh. Uh, also known as Hurt Locker. He was born once. Um, <laughs> Nick from New Girl, Jack Johnson. Uh-huh. Uh, Ed the, Helms. Who was the person you said before that? Hawkeye. After that? Hurt Locker. Yeah. Who's Hurt Locker? He was the guy, the movie Hurt Locker. He was, Hawkeye was the main character in Hurt Locker. Oh, okay. I thought there was another person you were talking about. All right, you yeah, go on. This is all very interesting. But this is my favourite part about this review is who you think these people are. Ed, Ed, Ed Helms, mm-hmm. Isla Fisher, mm-hmm. and others. And others. <laughs> so I've stopped writing at some point. I think it's Hannibal Boris was in it too. All right. So all these guys are mates and they're all really mad at Hawkeye. I'm going to remember this guy's name by the end of the interview. I don't think you are. <laughs> and Hawkeye is getting married in May and they didn't. he didn't invite all his friends. And the friends are like, he's not done that because he wants to not get tagged at his wedding. Right. So they all get crashed the wedding. Antics follow. They all play tag a lot. This is moderately entertaining. Um, yeah, it's decent. It's kind of exploring how it's hard to keep friends, your high school friends or whatever, when you grow up. And they sort mm. of hint at these themes you know and adult friendships from childhood yeah. i don't quite land it um but the tag stuff was pretty fun mm. yeah and in the end credits of the movie they show all the youtube videos and clips of the people it's based on oh great and they'd film themselves doing a, a stealth tag so it'd be old mate going to work and a guy <laughs> would film himself running out of a car park and be like tag you're it and run off into the night it's really funny <laughs> That sounds good fun. Yeah, but yeah, decent. Wouldn't super recommend it. No. Um, I mean... I feel like you hyped all this up and then you were just like, yeah, it's alright. It's alright. Star studded. Hawkeye's in it. Reviews that aren't plain, but are on a plane. I will remember this guy's name soon. Be alright. It's because he wasn't in Infinity War, and so I've completely forgotten him. Okay. Um, other than that movie, um, that's it. I watched a few episodes of No Activity. That rolls on. That's alright. You need to be a lot more specific because we just talked a lot about that last week. Do you mean the Australian one or the American? All of them. There was a okay. Christmas a Christmas special of Australian No Activity, mm-hmm. and that was funny. 
If you liked No Activity, watch the Christmas special. If not, disregard. Um, and the American one rolls on. But that's all I've been doing. I haven't got much gaming done this week. But fair bit of TV. I did walk past before and notice that you were playing uh, your old favourite game. <laughs> Hello Kitty Island Adventure. Yes. Yeah, I love that game. Yeah. Now you were playing The Witcher. Oh yeah, I'm back on my Witcher playthrough. <laughs> I have no new content to add regarding <laughs> this topic. <laughs> How could you possibly? Uh, um, anything else you're currently playing or are you ready to dive into our sections? Uh, I think I'm ready to dive in. Uh, like I said, I've only been watching and living and breathing this one particular program which i've been making phone calls to people up being like oh my god did you see in this episode and oh this happened i hope this happens i'm getting very invested so um yeah that is all i've been doing that is my life yeah i came back from um out of town and you know how's life and you just told me plot lines i'm like that, that, that's a show you're watching i don't <laughs> that that is my life now T. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care about I these things <laughs> i'm a part of this all right well let's get you off this track before you start going onto it. All right. <laughs> After the segment, we will talk about Unraveled 2. Welcome back. Uh, we are going to review Unravel 2, T-W-O, the sequel to um, the game Unravel, if you weren't aware. Tracks. Yeah. So I've been wanting to play Unravel for a long time. I think the first one came out in 2015 because I was like, well, this is a cute platformer. This looks fun. Uh, but I just never got around to it because, um, you know, I'm a big affinado of indie games. And because of that, it means I've always got a backlog of indie games that I inevitably forget about or just don't get to. So um, when I saw this year that Unravel 2 came out, or in the last year that Unravel 2 came out, I thought, oh, great, I can have a look at this. And then when we were sort of scrolling through the PlayStation Store the other day, it was on sale. And is it still on sale? I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't. Well, it was on sale. Might still be. Don't know. Uh, and then we saw that it was also a couch co-op. And we were like, yes, because nothing is ever couch co-op. And so I was like, great, two birds with one stone. Let's get it. Let's dive in. Um, so it's by Coldwood Interactive and EA Games. So EA Games are doing this thing where they're bringing on a lot of, like, artsy indie projects which i think is good because ea games is largely dead <laughs> so it's nice to see them how whoa how is ea dead oh they're, dead as in like most things that they make aren't very good they're despised but yeah. they're, they're making bank i wouldn't worry about that oh, i'm not saying they're gonna go <laughs> bankrupt but like everyone will buy their games but complain about every single one is what i'm saying yeah but they get the money so they don't care oh yeah but the point is it's good to see them shaking it up a bit and bringing on all these sort of random artsy indie projects. Um, so I guess to sort of lay out what the game is, you follow a Yarny, which is a little man made of wool, made of yarn. Um, and it's a different one to the first one, if you're wondering, so not a direct continuation. And it's like a puzzle platformer game, I guess it's fair to say. Yeah, um, puzzle platformer. Yeah, there's, oh, there might be something else in there too, but I can't think what it is. Um... First of all, did you like the game? Oh yeah, diving straight into reviews. Yeah, it was it was good. So the whole concept is because you're a ball of yarn, your amount of yarn is limited, mm. and that's where all the puzzling comes from. So you've got to wrap yourself around things and climb up your yarn ball and swing off shit. Swing off shit. It's basically swinging. And um, physics. That's what I was looking for. Also, <laughs> a physics game. The the 
real revelation with the sequel is with the couch co-op. Is Would that you say it was a revelation? <laughs> the revelation. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that with two players you can you're tethered together, but you can use that to um you know one person can pull up the other person and fling them around and stuff, mm. and that's how you solve most of the challenges. You can use one person as an anchor. Yeah, and so it's pretty short. We knocked it out in a couple nights. Yeah. Um. And it's sort of got a story, like there's sort of implications of story in the background. <laughs> I had to look into this a lot because one of the many things I really enjoyed about this game is that it's very pretty. Like, especially yeah. when you first start it, you're like, oh, this is a nice ethereal game. You're sort of wandering through this, you know, nice mossy forest. Everything's quite um, close up because, you know, you're a very tiny yarn man. <laughs> you're a yarny. You're very small. Um and so everything is very pretty, and you're following this spark around, which I'll talk a bit more about later. Um, and then sort of out of nowhere, this sort of weird story is happening in the background, and shit gets a bit real and a bit dark, and you're like, whoa, what's going on here? Um, so I had to look this up, because even when we finished the game, I was like, so what was that? <laughs> what mm. was that about? Um, so this game is very arty. It's it's an art house movie within a game, I guess, that the whole thing is themes, and it's it's very layered. So uh, there's a good article on Variety with um, the creative director called Salen, and he said that the idea is that yarnies are an embodiment of our positive emotions, like our hopes and longings. Oh, this is getting wanky by the second. Oh, you got no idea. <laughs> um, he follows it up by saying that the spark that you follow is like their spirit. And uh, there's also, so when, when you sort of see, so, okay, you, you, you're trundling along as you're yarning, and then in the background there's these sort of like shadowy figures, and there's, so, that, so there's this B-plot sort of going on in the background, and you kind of help these kids or something, but you still don't really understand what's going on, and it's very weird. So um, the concept of the game is that these children that you can kind of see in the background are wrestling with bad moods. Huh. Um, so, you know... For example, one of them, and this isn't really spoilery, but um, you, these two kids witness a fight and it scares them and they find it traumatic and then you have to help them. And so that's why when it's... And then these bad sparks appear whenever something bad happens and then you've got to fight the sparks and avoid them. And it's very confusing and weird, uh, but it's a very... And was inside themselves all along. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And you all ended up being a yarn ball next to grandma's couch. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a very high concept thematic kind of thing. Um, so yeah, even after reading about it, I was still like, ah, I don't get it. And it's not even necessarily the same kids that you see all the time. So it was all very complex. But mm. that's the general kind of thing that goes on in the background, which sort of makes it a bit more mysterious, I guess. Which gives a bit more oomph, I guess, to what would otherwise just be a, a cute puzzle platformer physics game. Um, Oh, the other thing, too, is because in the sequel there's two of you, it's meant to really foster this supportive, nurturing um, teammateship. By throwing each other over cliffs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the whole, so he said, you know, one of you can be the anchor, a safe spot you can return to, your trusted friend that's always there. I was like, well, that's nice. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of sort of, uh, you know, thematic artsy stuff in here but even with all that aside just the game itself was really fun and um you do have a lot of fun sitting there with whoever you're playing with going oh you know you go over there and i'll go over here and i'll swing under here and you let me go over here um 
I got in you trouble. You spun that very positively compared to the yelling we actually did playing this game. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you would get really annoyed at me because I kept trying to save you by grabbing you all the time and you were like, no, let me go. And I'm like, but I don't want you to fall. Yeah, so you're about to do this complex leap of faith over a fire into a thing and then M goes, oh, I'll hit the hold them tight button and then midair I get yanked back and fall <laughs> into the fire and die. Well, excuse me for trying to help you. <laughs> the amount of times I had to utter... Let go of L2, M. Let go of L2. Stop this, M. Let go of L2. You're killing me. I didn't want to let you go. <laughs> and then we all died. Well, yeah. Um, but, you know, ultimately it was a gorgeous game. Really fun with friends. You can play it by yourself switching between the two characters, um, but it's definitely a lot more fun with a buddy. Um, what is really good about it is that it's great for anyone of any skill level. So, um, you know, you can play with whoever because it's got a built-in slow motion function. If you want to really nail a, um, you know, when you're throwing yourself over something, you can put it in slow-mo to get a better idea of where you're going to go. Um, and it's also got this kind of built-in um, hint system. So if you give up, you're not too sure how to combat it. It'll, it'll just tell you <laughs> what to do. And while I feel making, they wanted to make it accessible, I feel this was a bit of a, a letdown where they could have made it a lot more fun and difficult. Like, given the co-op, nature you could really elevate the craziness you had to do to get through the levels but because it's also a single player you can't have any challenges where both the yarnies have to be doing something simultaneously Mm. so it's more take control of one yarny put them in spot over here take control the other one swing and even co-op it was like that I feel they missed an opportunity to really dial it up to 11 and make it so both Yanis had to execute really cool stuff to make it, you know, increase difficulty. But they didn't go that route by keeping it all weird and vague. See, I don't know. I mean, one of the... Because there's, there's, like, the story mode, and then there's also these extra challenges that you can do for, you know, extra hard puzzles. And we did the hardest puzzle. You know, the one with all the fire? I forget what it was called. Something ridiculous. Like, I have no idea how you would do that on your own. Juggling between the two. Easily. Just, anyway. <laughs> you don't have to do the thing simultaneously. You can go left, up, left, anyway. Um, but yeah, looked brilliant. Mm. Um, excellent scenery. Could have upped the challenge a little bit, and it's quite short. But if you're looking for a good, fun co-op game, you can knock out for a couple of nights. You can get it for like 14 15 bucks on PlayStation Store. Yeah. Probably even cheaper in some places. Mm. Would you recommend it? Definitely, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's made me want to go back and play the first one as well. Oh, another thing I really like, just before we wrap this up, is, uh, and it's a trivial function, but it's pretty cute, you can use um, the D-pad to signal your other friend so you can wave or sit down or cheer them. Um, and it's just really cute. And you can also, if something gets too hard, you can just piggyback <laughs> on the other yeah. person, which not only is adorable, but then after a second of being piggybacked, you merge into each other and then you are like two different coloured Yanni men. <laughs> and it was just really adorable. And you can collect other Yanni people in there as well to um, you know use different colours or faces or whatever. Mm, cool. So that's a play for me and a play for you. Yes. Cool. That's our review of Unraveled 2. Um, after the break, I'm going to talk about Fire Festival, the greatest party that ever happened. Welcome back. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard about this fire festival nonsense. Um, you were obsessed with this when this first happened. Like, I feel like every day when I saw you, you were like, oh my god, a new thing's happened, a new thing's happened. I just heard that this happened with the, or didn't happen, that's the case, maybe. 
Yeah. So you were enthralled with this story. I, I was pulled into the story so hard. So back in 2017, some guy called Billy McFarland uh, made a partnership with um, Ja Rule, and they wanted to make a um, a festival, sort of an exotic um, destination festival for the elite. For the elite, it was expensive, and what happened was it didn't happen. They, it, they didn't pull it off, and they didn't tell anyone, and people just rocked up to a festival that wasn't really functioning. And just watching this unfold in real time was fascinating. Now, to break this down into all the pieces, why this is great. So, every component of everything was fake. Mm-hmm. So Billy McFarlane's an entrepreneur all about status and looking cool. His early business ventures were like premium credit cards that gave you access to cool things. Then he created Fire, which was a company to like book celebrities to come to places or something, like an exclusive club you paid membership for, you get mm-hmm. tickets and stuff. And then he eventually went on to make the festival. So he's living in sort of the perception of... You know, all about perception, all about your Instagram, all about how it looks. And it's all fake. And to pump this company up, he approached a bunch of, let's call them influencers, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, hot girls, models on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean Instagram? Uh, both. Oh, okay. Twitter, Instagram. Actually, most of it was on Instagram, yeah, but just... Those yeah. sort of things are normally on Instagram. Yeah. So he's sort of a, a faux entrepreneur talking to faux celebrities... And the other thing, have you ever seen like um, an ad for a festival and they show you all this cool stuff that's happening at the festival? Yeah. There's cool things, there's cultural things, there's cool bands, everything's cool. And I've been to about 30 festivals. I'm a big festival head Mm -hmm. and festivals are shitty. Like Mm -hmm. I love them, but they're they're shitty. No no one (laughs) actually has good times at festivals. Like they're gross, they're dirty. Everyone there is ridiculous. Um, And I love them, but they're shit. Mm And so all these things together and you get Fire Festival. So this doco follows the lead up to it mm-hmm. and it interviews a bunch of people for Fire Media, so people that worked with Billy. Right. And um, just all the steps that go to it. So it all starts where they film their trailer, which they showed everywhere mm-hmm. and they had a bunch of influencers, so you know, Instagram models, yeah. hanging out on boats and playing with the wild pigs and you know swimming and it all looked great everyone's drinking having a party and then they made a trailer like you basically can... like the boats and hose film clip from Step Brothers is what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> exactly they just used that for their ad campaign <laughs> yeah so they release boats and hose yeah mm-hmm. and everyone goes that looks fun and like cool you can buy tickets to this you can mm-hmm. get these glamping tents these primo cabins mm-hmm. and stuff and you can have this fun you can ride boats with stuff and like i mean people with too much money. Oh, they, yeah. they go, oh, look, there's all these hot girls on the beach. I will go to that. But all the other people going to that aren't these people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's... You, you can't... They can't talk about the people who are buying tickets. They can just sell the tickets. Mm. And you're there with hundreds of thousands of other people who are people who just bought tickets. You're nobody. So, um... Do you remember how much it was to get a ticket to Fire Festival? There was tears, but right. the cheapest ones were like ten grand. Um, all the way up to a quarter mil Mm. sort of thing. So very much for the Um, elite. Yeah. So people spent millions to be part of this, Mm. this fake thing they showed in a trailer. 
Um, and since they're millennials, they tweeted everything. They show all the, you know, the Instagram stories, like, live update on a Word of Fire festival on this, yeah. you know, foreign island and out in the middle of nowhere. It's a paradise. And there's all these hot models everywhere. I'm like, well, no, they were there months ago to make the trailer. They're not there now. Yeah. <laughs> and well, um, Yo, I'm here with these babes! <laughs> <laughs> and they yeah. get there, and the festival's not done. Every All the bands bail... Mm-hmm. nothing's there and it turns to Lord of the Flies pretty quick. So you've, <laughs> you've got all these cashed up millennials all on a plane, YOLO, and then they get there and they're like, there's no beds and they're all fighting over towels. I'm like, this is my rag. And it goes to shit so quick. Now, because they're millennials, everything is live, you know. Oh my God, where is my glamping tent? Yeah. And so they're all posting it on their well, socials. Miranda stole it. And everyone's watching this car crash happen. And someone who paid 200000 bucks to go to a festival over mm. at a town is someone who the regular Joe on Twitter can't relate to. Yeah. So it was just fakeness on fakeness on fakeness, and it all went horrible, and everyone went, ha-ha, excellent. It was like <laughs> a real lesson in schadenfreude. Um, so... And they show all the people on the bus going to this thing. And Jamie stole my last mineral water. Oh my <laughs> god, you guys! And they had stuff like all oh, the people are like stealing mattresses. There were stories <laughs> of guys who didn't want to be near any anyone else, so they went and physically pissed in all their surrounding tents, so no one would use them. See, that doesn't surprise me the least. Having been to festivals, <laughs> I can very much see how that happens because men are disgusting. And they're like, it's he's literally marked his territory. <laughs> Like, you went an animal so quick. Why are men so filthy? <laughs> no woman would do that. So they're showing all these people, and they're all, like, balding accountants trying to get status who live in, like, New York, <laughs> and they're decidedly not the awesome people that they were advertising in the trailer. But they paid gobs of money to be a part of it. Mm. Um, anyway, so it's a total disaster. And that's hilarious. The dude's in prison now, Billy McFarlane. And there's just at every step of the way, there's the people trying to organize it. Like, hey, man, we can't we can't get X or Y. And he's like, it'll be fine. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and he just kept being positive attitude and it'll all be good. And it was real fascinating. Like, hey, man, there's no places for the people to stay. But he'd be like, oh, but are the influencers happy? Are they posting good? Everyone needs to use the hashtags. And the thing the things on fire around him is literally that meme like everything's fine <laughs> and he's oh but everyone's hashtagging right and it looks good on socials as long and, as it's trending no one cares what's actually happening yeah. there and meanwhile there's a thousand homeless cashed up accountants <laughs> like going <laughs> where where do i sleep <laughs> like what is this this where is, is nonsense where is my promised baby influences uh, so to party with the guy is in prison for six years. He's a compulsive liar and an organizational sociopath. Yeah. And it's just fascinating how everyone fell for it. Everyone loved Billy. He's like the guy, the man with the plan. He's on top of everything. And, you know, people are telling him, we, we can't pull this off. He's like, let's do it anyway. Let's be legends. We can make it the party of the year. Uh, um, the upshot was um, influencers got sued into oblivion mm. for promoting Firefest. So, you know, random Instagram model gets paid money and flown out to this tropical island to film a shoot and dick around for a night with Jerul and this other, like, these the, other the people. The three other people that were there fighting over that same bottle of mineral water. Yeah, and so 
and then they talk about it on socials, like, Fire Festival's coming, and they're being sued for promoting Fire Festival. Mm. So the one thing that's coming from that is the rules are changing that these influencers have to acknowledge that these are ads and yeah. not real. Like, you know. And I thought everyone kind of knew, but I guess not. You know, there's this person going, oh, here's my breakfast, here's my life, blah, blah, blah. Also, teeth whitening. Have you thought about teeth whitening? <laughs> Look at this teeth whitening. I love teeth whitening. Just and it's whiten like, my teeth. Yeah, and it's like, everyone knows that's sponsored content, right? But people well, that's, didn't. That's the thing. I mean, it's more of a... In, in the world of trending influencers, at the moment, it's more of a courtesy to say, I'm sponsored for this content. Or you say, you know, these opinions are my own. This was given to me, but this is still my valid opinion. But that's the thing. Not everyone does that. Mm. Um, all the people that I follow do because I don't follow narcissistic idiots. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, common sense and politeness dictates that you normally do disclose if you have been given something. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know that there are, you know, especially international legal requirements to disclose if you've been given something for promotion or whatever. But this brought it all to attention and like mm. how, you know, your average millennial these days is obsessed with optics, the appearance of cool stuff. Yeah. Like they're not actually cool. Like, you know, you go to a place to eat breakfast, get some good lighting, like, look at my amazing breakfast, but you just mm. eat there to eat breakfast. Chill out. Like, <laughs> you know, and this is just fake on top of fake on top of fake. And yeah. all these people got burned and it was effing hilarious. <laughs> so if you have any interest in the, this thing, there's two docos you can actually watch. So this mm. is the Netflix one, which was interviewing all the people on the inside, all the fire media people. Yeah. So there's the guy who was trying to organize stuff. I'm like, I'm, I'm telling Billy, like, man, we you just, we're out of money. He's like, oh, advertise more houses f mm. to stay in. And they did. And people bought them. And it's like, we don't have houses. What are you talking about? God. <laughs> It was just such fraud. Yeah. Um, there's also one on Amazon, which is... Amazon um, Prime. Yeah. Mm. Which is a bit more focusing on the social media aspect, which is... I think that'd be very interesting to see as well, because they're the people who, you know, don't theoretically don't know how business works. And so to hear their story, I think would be very interesting. Yeah. So there's two places you can watch this. So, if so you, you should watch that one next and give us a review about that one to see if that gives you... Oh, I think they're very sense. similar, so I don't think I'm going to... Ah, I've, I've watched a bit, but yeah. So, um, and one of the funny bits was, and you probably, if you knew anything about it, you probably saw this one tweet, which was, um, you know, cause this is meant to be gourmet chefs and really like best yeah. of everything. And the guy posted on Twitter, this styrofoam box, a piece of like rye bread and a sad piece of cheese <laughs> and one lettuce. It was like, this is the food at fire festival and the fire social media guy who wasn't part of the festival, he was like the New York office guy. He's like, we, we spent money, dozens of staff, years mm. cultivating our social media thing, and this one guy's picture of bread did bread more just, damage to just our... Break it all. Yeah, just did more damage to our brand than anything anyone's ever done ever. <laughs> See, now, I think I'm more interested in the influencer one, because I think that's the one that's going to have all the great vlogs of being like, <laughs> day 12 at Fire Festival. I don't have any pants. It's a... And I want to see that because that sounds hilarious. Oh, it's great because, um, you know, and there's just people like... Miranda's still taking the mineral water for herself. <laughs> and there, there was a few good ones like... Um... There are no survivors. <laughs> I ate the guy from Fuck Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool to see Fuck Jerry get 
because they did the promo for it. So they they I don't know what that is. Oh, fuck Jerry, uh, you'll see them on Facebook. They're just a meme page. Okay. But they're um getting into a lot of trouble because all their content's stolen and they make money ah. off it and they're getting jobs based on being we're corporate advertising people and right. they're getting in trouble because they started off as a meme page. Mm-hmm. And anyway, they were the ones doing the promo work for this and they got all these live blogs and like, all right, we're here. And then it's like, so it's an hour later. There's no buses or anything here. We're just sort of sitting around waiting. <laughs> like, they just got nowhere to go. And there's hundreds of kids just walking around trying to get reception and data Aww. just to quick. I need to Instagram that I'm here, <laughs> even though they're in hell, but they got to <laughs> send it. Ugh. Anyway, it cracked me up. It was hilarious. If you have any fascination in any of this, the doco is well worth it. And I'd uh, be remiss if I didn't mention the infamous BJ story. Yes, taking the internet by storm. Yeah, so Billy's, one of Billy's mentors is a middle-aged gay man who, um, I think is in advertising or logistics or organization. Anyway, he has a hilarious story about, you know, lengths he was considering going to to solve some problems. And anyway. I saw an article saying that he might get his own TV show. I don't know what about, if it's about that or something else, but... (laughs) The fact that this particular tale has taken the internet by storm is very entertaining. <laughs> oh, it was, it was very funny. He was a very charming person. And, um, you know, and he was, he was like the mentor to Billy and he was bought into it too. And he like believed the world of this Billy character and this guy just tricked everyone. Oh, Billy, Billy boy. Yeah. Yeah. But so that's a fire festival, the greatest yeah. party that never happened. Interesting. Still better than the Super Bowl halftime show. True, true. <laughs> Just the entire Super Bowl this year, really. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would have spent a month on Fire Island if I could get out of watching that Super Bowl. <laughs> um, after the break, we're going to talk about the new Netflix show, Russian Doll. Welcome back. As of two days ago, um, I forgot to do it at the opener of the show. It's February here. Um, <laughs> Russian Doll on Netflix dropped two days ago. Um, well, it came out Friday, so four days ago. Three days ago. Irrelevant, it, depending when you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> just to give, like, a time context. Um, eight episodes, 20 to 30 minutes each. Mm-hmm. Nice, short and punchy. Now, firstly, tell us who's in it, Em. I didn't write any notes for this. Uh, <laughs> oh, but, did I? But right. Natasha Leone stars in it, who you may know from either Orange is the New Black or American Pie. It's American Pie. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so she is in it, and it is um, produced by a bunch of people, including our very beloved Amy Poehler. So um, once I heard Natasha Leone was in this, Amy Poehler is involved. It's basically like Happy Death Day slash Groundhog Day, and I was like, okay, you got my attention. Right, and that's what I where I want to draw a very hard line in the sand. So mm-hmm. Groundhog Day slash Happy Death Day. Amy Poehler mm-hmm. involvement and what was the actor's name again? Natasha Leone. Natasha Leone. Nikki. I'm sold. That's great. Yeah. Whatever happens, I will watch this. And I did. Now, what actually happened? Um, firstly, if you haven't heard of Happy Death Day, it's sort of a, a C-grade horror movie where it's Groundhog Day where a serial killer kills her every day mm. and she's got to spend the whole loops trying to... Um, which you have seen. You've I've seen. That, yeah. I watched it on a plane a while ago. It was, like, it's C-grade, but it was really good. Like, I really liked it. Like, no spoilsies. Did she figure out who it was? Well, there's a happy death day to you 
coming oh, out yeah, soon. It's a sequel. I don't know if it's the same characters, but it could be. Yeah. But um, so the concept there was that she died to start the loop again, whereas Groundhog Day, while he died in a few of them, it was just 24 hours on yeah. the dot. Yeah. And this is the premise. So she dies within 24 hours of waking up at her 36th birthday party. Gotta get up, gotta get down. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where all the comedy derives from, because it's yeah. actually pretty funny. Like, she keeps falling down stairs, falling <laughs> off things, getting hit by falling items, and when she's being really careful, she'll just have an asthma attack and drop <laughs> dead, and it's, like, hilarious. Um, and if you know this actor from anything, you know, she's got a very sharp tongue, mm. very witty, very yeah. dry. She was great in it. Yeah, and she's very funny. Um, so there's two main characters. Mm -hmm. There's a guy and a girl who are stuck in these infinite loops, loops. Infinite yeah. loops, and they keep dying and coming back. And the whole show setup is, why is it happening? How do they figure out, you know, what's, what's the reason what for it? And yeah. stuff like that. And... Well, what do you think? I really enjoyed it. I think, uh, as you said, it's very sharp. The it's a you know a little bit black comedy, obviously, because you know we're dealing with death. <laughs> but um, like all the the jokes are funny. There's a lot of fun outfits at her party, incidentally, too, which I really liked. It's very bohemian New Yorkers. <laughs> oh, it was hipster to eleven. I loved it. Like rich hipster arty people. I'm like, where is this party? Can I come? But not forever. <laughs> Wouldn't want to be looped there. Um. And yeah, so I I did quite like it. I think the choice for it to be a thirty sixth birthday was very interesting because you know a lot of these things is normally centered around like twenty or thirty or forty, and so mid thirties I think is a really interesting time to be alive, really. Um, so I, I kind of like the focus on that particular thing. Um, but in terms of what I felt about the show in general. Um, I I really liked it maybe up until... The, I found the last two episodes to be a little bit, like, not creepy or scary, but had a, a very different tone or a bit of a different tone to the rest of it. Um, and I don't know how I feel about that. Mm. Uh, I think it was kind of good, but I think it sort of needed to be carried through the whole way and there were some sort of incidences that I felt that they had implications towards. Like, they, they showed some, you know, flashbacky things and you're like, ooh, is this going to turn out it's going to be this or this or this and it didn't really address that and it was more of a thematic point um so i did i couldn't really get behind that part but mm. but overall i still really liked it i did have to read up about the ending ending uh like in the last 30 seconds maybe of the whole show because i was like what yeah it was a bit weird what happened what is that but then when i read into it it's got a whole bunch of of themes about what was going on then i was like oh, okay fair enough makes sense so for me while Natasha had some witty dialogue, I found every single character deeply unlikable. Mm. I did not like a single character in this show. Some were funny. Mm. Some were in some funny situations. But I hated all of them. And whenever you got these concepts, like, well, you know, the, the Groundhog Day set up, there's, mm. they're usually implying there's some profound thing that has to happen to why this is happening. Yeah. Um, but what the resolutions were, the stakes were kind of low. Like, oh, this guy's having girlfriend troubles. This girl's kind of a bit selfish. Like, it was pretty soft. Um, yeah. It didn't really warrant a universe-changing time loop that shatters reality. Um, and any growth that did happen was kind of, like, forced. It was, wasn't organic. Like, mm. there was no epiphanies. 
So the guy's, you know, having girl trouble, and then he's like, ah, oh, I'm over it. Well, because you've been looping the same day for months and months. Like, there's, you know, yeah, time's but passed. But that's why. Like, they've got to loop it to realize that they've got to, you know, acknowledge this or that about their own character or about their history or about whatever. And I feel if you take away the Groundhog Day concept, this would have been a pretty dull indie movie with very low stakes. Oh, well, probably, but that's indie movies for you. Yeah. I would definitely call it indie in nature. Yeah. Um, but just with a lot wittier dialogue. I did like it, like, despite feeling a little bit... No, I also didn't feel let down towards the end, but I felt like they tried to mix in a couple of things that either didn't quite land or weren't consistent. But I do know what you mean in that the things that they did have to overcome to, you know, get through the other side or whatever it is they had to do um, weren't... Uh, I don't know, like, they were... Well, it's not like they weren't important... They weren't important, though. Well, I don't know. I don't quite know how to articulate it properly. <laughs> but um, but maybe they could have done a better job of explaining why those things were so important. So that's set up where I drew the line in the sand. Like, ah, oh, mm. these people involved, it's funny, it's Happy Death Day. And that novelty wore off after three episodes. It was like, cool, they die, and that's funny, and they got to work out why, and that's funny. And then the back end, it was like, well, what are they? where are we going? What are we trying to achieve here? It's just... You know, they try to add some drama and some stakes, and mm. no, nah, wasn't I, for me. I had a couple of good theories early to mid on, so maybe from episode two to five, I was like, "All right, I think it could be about this, or I think it could be about this," um, and it wasn't. But it was fun that it was made in a way where you could go, "Oh, okay, maybe it's you know, maybe this is the deal." So I did like that it sort of gave an opportunity to foster those kind of thoughts. Um, but yeah, as I said, it did show some sort of other sub-themes which didn't really land for me. Uh, but I'd, I would say that I still liked it. Okay. Mm. So, thumbs down for me, but... Yeah, thumbs up for me anyway. Thumbs up for him. Yeah. That's Russian Doll on Netflix. It's a nice, easy watch. It's like you can knock out the whole thing in four or three, four hours. So, yeah. You know, if you've got any mild interest. Um... Cool. So that wraps up our review of Russian Doll. Do you have anything else to add today? No, I think that wraps up our whole episode for today. Hit us with them socials, them. Them socials are. You can catch us on Twitter at goodpop underscore badpop. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash goodpop badpop podcast. As always, please like, subscribe, comment to keep us giving you um, this We will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. See you then. Bye.